Manor. Hello, welcome to To Manor Podcast. It's the second episode of December. We're still feeling festive. It's not just me and John talking to ourselves this week. We've also got Jack and uh, Connor in the mix as well. Uh, Jack, you fully recovered. We, we chatted about COVID a bit. You had a, you experienced it. Was it fun? Not fun. Um, it was all the things that aren't fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the test um, on recovery was was Donny away, and that that passed with flying colours. So all all seems good. Lovely stuff. I just had my booster today, guys. I'm feeling boosted. If I suddenly like ramble off or fall over or something due to after effects, then now you know why. Um, Connor, how are you getting on? You've been you've been in Milton Keynes. I have, I have. Yeah, I'm getting on well, thanks. I'm back in Oxford now with my family for uh, sort of four or five weeks over Christmas, so that'd be nice. Uh, plenty of Oxford games, hopefully. What did Good. you do in Milton Keynes, Connor? Yeah, I was going to say you just went shopping. <laughs> yes, I, I yeah, I just went shopping. Yeah, Did, didn't watch any football, nothing like that. No, obviously, I went to the obviously went to the uh, the uh, away game yesterday. Uh, which was uh, which was brilliant. It was good to be back. Um, obviously, the result was great, but we'll talk about that later. Of course. And your best pal, Mark Sykes, even had a, tr- a special early Christmas present for you, which was lovely. Oh, he did. Um, John, you're right. What's going on? Mince pies? Yes or no? No, no, and no. No, not no, even no. the crumbly top variety. No, no, no. <laughs> Bit no. of cognac and brandy mixed in. No? Hold, hold the mince pie, add the cognac. Absolutely. Okay. Let's let's do a poll. Or maybe not. Anyway. Does anyone watch the F1? Let's turn this into a Formula One yes, pod. Yes, I did. did. My I, God. I don't know if, if you... We've never spoken about F1 as a group. This could be a weird conversation. Let, let's not let's do not, it. Let's not become an F1 pod, but I used to watch it religiously and then kind of filtered off and then was like, well, I've got to watch today, given oh. where, where it was. Um extremely spicy for anyone that's into f1 i guess you already know and then if you're not into f1 you want us to shut up so let's not talk about it uh right what are we doing today we've got uh four games to cover since we last podded i'm really proud because i said in the last pod that it would be nil nil against rotherham and it was and we're going to start with that in a minute but um sunderland away as well then donny away which a few of us were at and then obviously the game at mk Yesterday, which was lots of spicy games, very close, tight affairs. So it's going to be good talking about it. Um, and yeah, that should be about it. Then we'll wrap up League One, talk about the Wigan game next Saturday. And we'll probably be done from around there. But isn't it nice, lads, being able to do a pod during December when probably I'm, you know, I've got one week left of work, then I'm off for two weeks, um, and we're at nine unbeaten. What a nice time to be podding. Um, but yeah, into into the news. Mark Sykes has passed his practical driving test. <laughs> Get in. Go on, Sykesy lad. He can't do anything wrong, can he? Did it did it did we have details on how many majors and minors? No, we we don't. And to be fair, we don't know the status of his theory test. So let's not let's keep the experts yeah. let's calm down a bit, everyone. Let's calm can, down. Can you do your practical Oh, like, yeah, maybe, oh, maybe you can. I don't think you can do your practical no, if you haven't you passed your theory. So, yeah, you, you need to pass your theory to do your So practical. let's get get excited, everyone. <laughs> Ignore like, me. What's, yeah. what's yeah. that over there? It's a stop sign. <laughs> that is the worst Northern Irish <laughs> accent attempt. Uh, sorry. Um, does anyone have a, a guess as to how many minors and majors he got? 
what do you reckon, Connor? You seem to. If, if anyone was well, going to pride into his life and it would be got disturbingly close to private affairs, then it would yeah, be you. Yeah. Well, he can't have any majors, can he? Because if he gets a major, you fail. So he's obviously just got minors. Yeah. So I, I reckon, reckon. I reckon he got three minors. I reckon. Yeah, I reckon he had an emergency stop as his impromptu yeah. event yeah. as well. I think one of the reasons he got a minor was because he was looking at a. A uh, like a Walker's crisp or a Tato crisp van or something it like just took him off his stride. That's oh, all those people from Northern yeah. Ireland they love the Tato crisps. Mm. See one of them. That's it. He's following that. Might have pressed the edit button after the pod. <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine we have many Northern Irish listeners. And plus, I live in Northern Ireland. You know, I've got I've got some yeah, true. They can I'm take out on you directly. On me, that's fine. They can just come and hunt me down in Belfast and throw potatoes at me or something. Good. Anyone else got anything to add on that? No? Okay. First news done. Second news, Joe Scarts was really, really upset <laughs> uh, about uh, Christmas and paying, what was it, £42 to pay for his, was it his daughter to go and meet Santa Claus and Santa Claus didn't even give her a present. Um, Jack with the details. Uh, yeah, it was in Halifax, and I'm pretty sure I'm just going to try and find the quote now. He said, <laughs> "He said, um, he said, we're not making this up, by the way. This, this, this is true. We'll, we will link to this article." And it's oh, he, oh, he said um, that not receiving a gift had ruined the magic of Christmas. <laughs> so the Scars family are going to be very disappointed this year by the sounds. After <laughs> it's cancelled, uh, and he also Christmas said cancelled. It said, this is brilliant. It says, Scars from Huddersfield claim the event wasn't even Christmas themed and they were made to walk around with other families in freezing weather making choo-choo noises or pretending to be trains. <laughs> they obviously how, didn't, how, didn't get the memo about not doing certain things with Joe Scars up in Halifax. Exactly. Exactly. We all know Sounds, how the song goes. I reckon, I reckon they've missed out Scars two-footing Santa Claus as he left the, uh, <laughs> as he left the, the market, whatever it was. You're a disgrace, Santa. I just see it all playing out. Like, anyway, um, no, that was fantastic. I really, if anyone had said that anyone predicted that would be a news article they'd come across ever in their lifetime, they are lying. Um, anyway, slightly more serious subjects. Um, John, what did you think about the kind of news that came out around COVID? It was discussed a bit on Wasn't It The Game, but the kind of vaccine passports or needing to show negative tests and then this 10,000 people limit any thoughts on it um i mean i've never really got the whole sort of if it's outside what's the sort of need for i understand the in, inside stadium bits um but if i'm understanding it you're saying if it's ten thousand people you'll need vaccine passports so it won't really apply to us most of the time yeah it's not based on capacity it's based on the amount of people so you imagine they'll cap tickets and sell do like all ticket upfront sales type thing I'd imagine. Yeah, so it's not really an issue, but yeah, it's a bit like I say the outside bit's never I've never quite computed that, but indoors part of it, fair enough. Yeah. Okay. Well I don't think we need to talk too much about that. So let's talk about the football. Rotherham. This is going back a bit, isn't it? Um this was an extreme so we, we lined up obviously with um this is post Fleetwood with a slightly, you know, odd team but actually the front six still looked pretty good you still have McGuane, Kane and Brannigan in midfield Henry White and Holland up front with White playing through the middle so it was only really Hansen at right back McNally um, partnering long centre back 
and then Seddon was still keeping his place at left back. But this was an excellent game. Um, who what who watched this before I work out? Did we all watch it? I can't yeah. remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jack, do you want to talk us through your opinions on it? It was a, a rather wind affected game, wasn't it? In terms of um, the two sides with the wind, the wind with the wind, wind. generally um, looked more threatening on the attack. I mean, to be honest, the longer the game went on, the more we came into it. Um, I think from the last 10, 15 minutes, it's probably Rotherham who were probably quite happy to get away with a point. Um, but considering the week we'd had and a bit of the um, makeshift or, you know, with the emergency goalkeeper, Hanson playing, McNally coming back in, long playing centre-back, I think we did pretty well. I mean, Rotherham looked a good side, but we hardly, um, we didn't look like we were gonna, ever going to lose the game, I don't think. Yeah, yeah. John, the thing that impressed me the most was... As Jack said, that last like half an hour, it was actually Rotherham seemed to be happy to play out for a draw in a sense, and that was a just a testament to the performance that we put in. Plus, obviously, the conditions helped, but it was it was a great point, wasn't it? Yeah, and if you think about how they've been steamrolling some teams, you could tell they clearly went, "No, nah, this isn't worth taking the risk of losing." So let's just take a point. And I thought the narrative for the game was, you know, free hit for us and possibly being a bit nervous around it, but we started actually okay. And then they came back into it massively, but we actually dealt with that trepidation and, and generally both teams cancelling each other out for mo- the majority of the game. And yeah, they had a couple of chances and, you know, did it the bar and that sort of thing. But I remember thinking, actually, we should push on a bit. You know, we've, we've done 60 minutes, we should be pushing and trying to win this actually. So it was, I think we all went from, nervous before it to actually we should be looking to maybe even win this i remember i remember actually we were watching some of us were obviously watching it watching the footage and jack you weren't obviously too well and you were telling us to you weren't obviously chatting with us but you could hear us talking you were like stop talking about the point i just remember you messaging us and <laughs> we we're obviously getting more optimistic as the game was going on connor were you there or were you watching it with us i don't remember i was watching it with you how can, oh, you, okay. forget, how can you forget me like that know. all the games blend into one but you, <laughs> Do you not remember there's Michael Smith and Ladapo seemed about seven foot tall, yeah. both of them, and both hit the bar or the post. And then McNally and Long just had a blinder beyond those moments, didn't they? Yeah, they, they were great. I think given that it was a, obviously a makeshift team at the time, because obviously this is when we were hit heavily by COVID, I think um, the lads did, did miraculously really to, to, to get a point at home against top of the league who have been scoring for fun throughout the season and their goal difference shows that. Um, I think it was a fantastic point and I think as we will probably discuss from the um, fixtures that came after this, I think McNally was kind of hard done by to be dropped to be honest. Um, I thought he was brilliant and long. He's just Mr. Dependable, isn't he? You can, you can literally stick him anywhere along that back four and he does a job. So, you know, two, yeah. two great performances. It's- it's interesting with Manali actually, because I was just listening to Sykes, um, his interview after the MK game, and he referenced to McNally and said that kind of the as if the players in the dressing room think it's harsh that he has been dropped. So not it was quite an interesting thing for a player to say about players' opinions on him being dropped. I thought anyway. Yeah, um, I thought that as well yesterday when I was in the car on the way home. You kind of like that. Yeah, that, and that must be one of the. Though. Sorry, Connor, that, that must be one of the first times he's played against two proper physical strikers. 
and he's come through it. If you think back to Atkinson, he was amazing. And then when he played against sort of tall physical strikers, he got found out a bit. But Manali proves through that. I don't really remember any of his kind of the odd occasion. Didn't he have that moment as well where he shifted back to recover? Yeah. And and then do you remember, like, he just looked like a steam train to then win a brilliant tackle, like last man. If he took him out, it was potential, like, orange-red card type territory. And the Dapo was on four more game, and he just, um, yeah, ate up the yards. And I think, yeah, we've got no problems with him on the production line in terms of Future. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I totally agree, John. I think I think McNally again is going to be another one of these players that um, he might go on to be another kind of Rob Dickey, Rob Atkinson type, where we end up making quite a lot of money off him in the future. I do think he's got a lot of potential. I think he's at the right club as well to kind of harness that potential. He's got some good players around him as well with Elliot Moore's experience, even though he's still quite young, and obviously Thornley as well. I think I think that, that Luke McNally will be a yeah will become a staple. I think. In years to come, I do think he will. Yeah, I was really impressed with um, Michael Smith, especially actually, and also Ladapo. But Smith's just seemed more mobile than you'd expect someone of his size to be. I just thought he looked like a really good good player. But they were on a 13-14 game unbeaten run as well, coming into that, which we can't forget. So again, unbelievable. Um, Jack, do you think we should give uh, Jamie Hansen a new 10-year contract after his tackle because that was it was much discussed afterwards but it was it was a nice tackle but yeah it was a proper crunching tackle I'm sure John was up celebrating and dancing kind of rock bag style smash them tackle it was I, it was I woke up my baby daughter celebrating that tackle <laughs> um that's how much I celebrated it if I was going to be miserable it saddens me that we have to talk about it like it was like a one-off thing like it's so magical that sort of thing should be like non-event you know yeah happens all the time with it. um but no it was absolutely lovely nice solid tackle but definitely not worth a contract <laughs> His, well i mean it expires in the summer can you imagine what Thank you know god can you imagine if we gave him an extension i just <clears throat> didn't oh. kr say um something like the reason he's not in the squad now is because we're making sure the players who will be with us from January um, are making the squad. Now everyone's back fit. So I imagine if someone wants him, not that anyone will want him, but um, we may get rid earlier than the end of the season just to free up numbers, I think. I mean, that's a whole separate discussion. But It's the salary thing that gets me with him. He's going to literally have to half his salary type thing, isn't he? If not more. Probably on the rest, yeah. Yeah. But then it, it depends on, like, I guess, also his agent, but also his own individual kind of thoughts on the whole process because he's not played much football. So, you know, if you if you want a career in this game, you might he might have to take a cut. You know, he might have no choice. His hand must be forced. It's either that or retire. So I don't see him retiring. So I think he will have to kind of take what he's given and move on because I think he's, unfortunately, he's not worked out at Oxford. Yeah, um, yeah. You don't, you don't want KR to play the whole thing he did with Rob Hall, where he's like, he's a good lad. He can stick no. around if he can't find a... But, but Rob team. Hall is a good lad, and Rob, and Rob Hall has done things for Oxford, whereas Jamie Hansen certainly hasn't. Yeah, so that's, he's that's definitely fair. not going to get that treatment. Yeah, well, that was not, a fair anyway. comparison, wasn't it? I would have got destroyed by the <laughs> public for that. Um, anyway, right, we move on. We played Sunderland away, and this was it was weird not going to this, but obviously us lot being based up north, but it was rearranged and um, quite short notice, and then... Weren't, it was like Newcastle, Middlesbrough, Sunderland were all at home as well. It was a strange, a strange one to probably be up in the 
um, the northeast. But I, I caught up on kind of extended highlights for Sunderland. I don't know if any of you guys watched it live, but the the main premise of the game was we were probably a little bit fortunate fortunate to come out with a point, um, especially after the second half is is basically what I took from it. Uh, but what I would say, Eastwood, the thing I noticed as well, Matty Taylor's goal was tidy, good work from Holland to then draw it back. Taylor, great, great kind of striker's finish. Um, but then Eastwood made an unbelievable save second half to parry a ball onto the post when it looked like it was definitely going in. And that was quite late on in the game. And it's little little moments like that that keep that kind of unbeaten run going. But um, Jack, massive, massive point up there. We do like a 1-1 up there, don't we? Yeah, we do. Um, it was also, that game was the first time we'd equalised in the league this season. So previously, we'd either scored first, won the game, or drawn or lost. But we'd never equalised in the game until till that, um, that game. I mean, so... Sunderland are weird because their fans are getting or were getting a bit twitchy because they think they should be Premier League champions and they're not. Um, yeah, I think they they're back up to third now, aren't they? After yesterday, so it was. If you come away with a point from Sunderland, you've got to be happy with it, regardless of what state they're in. I think they're always going to be in and amongst it, um, yeah. and to come back from one nil down and kind of battle through and keep a point um, to add to the Rotherham. The Rotherham point. It was quite a good week, having had the three points against Fleetwood as well. They had um, McGeady out and my pal, what's he called? Luke 09. He wasn't playing either. Um, who's up front for them? Stewart's the guy that scores. It's not Rod Stewart, is it? It's uh, someone else. <laughs> Rod Stewart. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Uh, I doubt it. No, I can't remember what his name is. Um they do finally seem to have a team of like semi-normal players that you yeah. may or, you may or may have not heard of. Then they throw in like a few decent players like Pritchard and yeah, and and those sorts of players. And then obviously Giddy's um knocking around. I did think that it it seemed from what I saw of it one of the first games where Armyfield was getting dissected a bit, and you saw the kind of Herbie Kane massively out of position, one ball. They were on us. Well, for their goal, it was kind of one ball and they were straight on to us. Um, but I think that's a bit of like, it is a way at Sunderland and they are, they're not a bad team. They're just kind of finding their feet a bit, really. I um, think, yeah. I, sorry, John. I think I think their goal as well, I just scribbled that down. The goal we let in against Sunderland, Donny and yesterday MK are very, very similar goals in that our full-backs are up the pitch and it, their midfield's got beyond our midfield and they're in on the centre-backs. All three goals have come from our left and have been finished. Yeah, going across the goal. Right across yeah. the keeper with kind of the defence scrambling a bit. But that's just how we play, isn't it? We The, the full-backs attack and if we get turned over on the counter, we get turned over. I don't think we're going to change that. It's just a bit frustrating sometimes. Yeah, but the, but that, this becomes, though, and this is the defensive midfield point about where's the sort of autopilot dropping in and I'm Kane surpassed expectations playing in that role defensively for me and obviously going forward he's invaluable um, but it is a thing that we never seem to even kind of you know only one fullback goes up or, or there doesn't seem to be any sort of recognition that that is a, a gearing hole and opposition reports must just be all over it yet we always continue to do it yeah apparently not though hmm. yeah Connor? yeah it's high risk high reward isn't it I think that's just this season in particular. That's kind of 
been our, I'd say it's been kind of our motto. Um, I think if you look at MK Dons yesterday in the second half, particularly the second half, um, I know I'm jumping ahead in terms of the games here, but the amount of times we had overlaps involved with our fullbacks on 2v1 situations uh, that actually turned into crosses was quite remarkable. You know, we, we do play some great football down the sides and I think often, like you say, high risk, high reward. You know, we, if we do get turned over, then you do often see players like Long and Seddon making ridiculously long recovery runs to try and get back into any position just to cover the full back, uh, cover the centre-backs. So I think sometimes when we do concede goals in the manner that we did against Sunderland and obviously yesterday as well, yes, it is frustrating, but also you, I think you also have to believe that we have a way of playing and sticking to it has clearly worked to, yeah. to this stage anyway. Mm. So actually us going forward in the manner that we do uh, the, the trade-off is sometimes you get caught on the counter or you get caught on the on the turnover. But if we continue to be as effective as we have been, this particularly this calendar year anyway, I mean, our stats speak for itself with the whole goal-scoring thing up with Manchester United, Liverpool and Man City this year. You know, it's clearly a formula that is working. Um, I think... You know, I, I'm I'm happy to see it and see it and carry on with the way it, where it's playing. It's entertaining football at the end of the day, um, and it's proven to work against some of these bigger clubs and bigger teams where we've been getting results against them. Yeah, okay, it might not be three points every single week, but getting a point yeah. away at Sunderland, getting a point at home against the top top team in the division, you know, it it's clearly working. And like James just said there, where you know, if they're if if the other opposition team are all over it, then why aren't they punishing us every single time it's happening? You know, they're not. So Yeah. You've also got a thing that we had McNally and Ford in that back four. So relative yeah. inexperience. And I think it was actually Ford that got done, wasn't it, for that for that goal. Just kind of got span around. They just faked it and then cut in and then as we said drilled it across the goal but um Yeah. I mean personnel obviously fit into a system, don't they? So sometimes when our system is weakened by its personnel then obviously there's going to be cracks exposed in certain areas but when we've got a full starting team like we did against mk yesterday you know we can see the way it works yeah we had, we had a poor first half but second half it's night and day difference but we'll talk about that in a moment yeah yeah ford ford we've seen before last season just isn't really that one one-on-one defender either that you want if he is playing in that role um worth noting just so obviously rotherham Hit the set, hit the bar and the post, and then Sunderland hit the bar and the post as well. So we've, def- we've definitely rode our luck a little as bit. The, as did Ipswich as well. As did Ipswich, yeah, twice. So it, I do think part of this unbeaten run, you know, luck has been on our side at times, but I, th- I do think we've earned it. And it's not like the performances haven't warranted that bit of luck as well. So there's a resilience know. in this team this year that buys a lot of that, I think which doesn't make much sense as I've said it, but you hopefully get my point. Yeah, absolutely. And also what I, what I like as well, who's to say that if one of those did go in, we wouldn't be responding to it. And like KR said the other day, like against Donny, which we'll move on to now, when they obviously got their goal, it just asked us another question. And it's another test of character for the for this team and the group of players again to try and react to. I was going yeah. to raise that question with you guys, see what you think, because I did get his point, but I went the other way of like, I wanted us to turn up and just, just destroy Doncaster and be 3-0 up at half time, as we probably should have been. So I get his point, 
and obviously we won, so it's all happening. And if it had been one all, we'd have walked away thoroughly annoyed. But for me, I was kind of like on the other side of like, well, no, we shouldn't have even been at that point. Teams that I think there are teams like like Rotherham, for example, who would have rocked up at Doncaster and just been two 0 up within thirty minutes. See you later. But that's just my yeah run off. What you guys think? I it's a difficult one this one because. We were so good that first half. I think I couldn't work out whether it was us being so good or Donny just being inept and just happily kind of sitting back and wanting to try and get. You know, once it was one nil, we we just had endless possession. I think it was like we're borderline seventy percent possession. Um, they they were playing a, a new formation, I believe. So they were playing, I think, three at the back. Yeah, and if you factor in that they were. I mean, they looked like a team that wasn't necessarily bottom of the league, but equally wasn't hadn't recognised they were bottom of the league either. So they weren't sort of either just two banks of four or, or whatever and were just kind of trying to get, grind a point out. But equally, they weren't overly expansive. So they were just sort of in a no-man's land in between the two and we and gave us loads of space and Kane and Brannigan just ran the show. Yeah. We were back to our like standard back four. I really liked the team actually because it had kind of that total football midfield that we talked about where you got McGuane, Kane and Brannigan. Um, Brannigan, oh, sorry, McGuane was obviously much more involved first half and then he started blowing around 50, 55 minutes or something. It seemed to drop off quite early second half. But that's, you know, it's understandable that. But um, obviously went 1-0 went up, Sykes, decent kind of, goal bit of bit of luck there in terms of how it came back to him but a good finish and then um we kind of went into the second half obviously we were all saying at half time meeting our pies just like we're going to get punished here you know you can just see the way it's going to go and then matty taylor had that header from that kind of deep cross and the the camera angle afterwards i don't know if any of you have found a different perspective of it but you can't see whether it's offside or not but i was convinced he was um he was on for that header, I remember Jack at the time we were chatting, going like saying that surely that was on, and the the lineage went for a little moment of doing a little dance of just whacking his flag up every ten seconds for about a period of five minutes. Yeah, watching on iFollow, I was like, "There's no way that's offside." I was, <laughs> I was swearing at the TV. <laughs> well, no, I was swearing at the linesman more specifically. Um, you, could, you could have had a few more goals though in the last few games, Matty Taylor. Um, yeah, well, he had one yesterday as well that was chalked off for offside. Yeah, well, exactly. Then that wasn't offside either. Yeah. But anyway, no. we, we 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 move on. They obviously go up, score one of those goals we've already kind of described. Uh, Seventy-four minutes, and we're just kind of like, oh, for God's sake, this is a missed opportunity here. We didn't seem to really work their keeper too much, but but Jack, that our winning goal was just. Yeah, I watched it so so many times. Said it was Seddon that started the move, wasn't it? But it was him that kind of initiated that momentum and then carried it through and great layoff. Yeah, it was the, the layoff made the, the goal actually because he waited it perfectly for Taylor, uh, for Henry to not even have to break stride and just guide it in with his side foot. Um, it would have been an easy pass to hit too hard or, you know, put it on his wrong foot or whatever. But um, the, the game was interesting. So we were so dominant first half, as we say, and we looked good. We had all the possession and we played it about. But like you also just said, we didn't actually work the keeper and we actually made more chances in the second half because obviously we had the two goals disallowed. White went through one-on-one and... Oh my God, I forgot about White. There was a Taylor header that he put over the bar. Like our best chances were all arguably when we were not playing as well as we did in the first half. That's partly because Donny kind of 
gave it a little bit more of a go and gaps opened up a little bit. Because um, we had that huge debate about the white chance of... Who, take it round him. Well, to me, I think you could have just scored without the need to take it round him. But it was that... It was, that it was on the chance. edge of the box, though, wasn't it? It was like the keeper had come right to the edge of the box and they, he was kind of slightly on the right-hand side. So maybe he didn't want... Yeah. He would have had to have taken it to the keeper's the keeper, right. His credit like his, did yeah. his, was positioned as best as you possibly could be mm. in what should have been a really easy chance for White yeah. to score. And White just needs to break his break his duck. I mean, he, it'll happen because he's, he's doing the right things, but that was that was really painful to watch yeah I mean I think White probably should have tried to go around him because the goalkeeper was booked as well so there's another thing there's another but then obviously yeah. that's just you know whether you actually remember that when you're in that position as in Gavin White did he actually what? think to himself oh hang on a minute the goalkeeper's booked I'll try and go around him probably didn't but it, it's, it's just it was a frustrating one it's a funny one because it. arguably that was an easier chance than the one that he put away when he was offside yeah um, but it was it was a shame for him because I thought he played really well at Donny. He was being really effective, moving their fullbacks about, running off the ball. And I thought it was one of his better performances so far this season, and he and he deserved the goal. Um, I think John's right. If he he's one of those players that once he gets one, he suddenly has a whole a whole of whole other level of confidence again. Yeah. Um, but equally, it's not that bad when you can put him back on the bench and bring in Holland, who can be. Well, he can be so effective, but he's equally quite frustrating as well. They're quite similar in being effective or frustrating. I I, th- I still think I've said it on a, maybe the previous pod. Like White's, I still think White's peak that he could get to with all his confidence and everything else is more than Holland could get to right now, where Holland's at in terms of his all round game. But you know, until. I just think also if you're Gavin White, you probably don't want that chance in a weird way. <laughs> you he had one, you know, Fleetwood game, wasn't it, where he got played in over the top by Hansen, I think it was, and he was bearing down on goal, and then it was just a drip, like he just kind of dribbled the finish towards the keeper. So he's now had two or three things where he's kind of just bearing down on goal, but he probably wants a couple of half chances where, you know, you don't. It's not all on him to score and one of them to go in rather than one of these. If he if he gets every one and one he's going to get, can you imagine the mental <laughs> strain? Like that cannot be easy, the stuff that's going through his head. But in, in, then once you've got the confidence, that's more of a natural process, I guess. Yeah, I just really hope that he kicks on for the second half of the season now because, you know, we're, we're approaching January. He's still not scored. Um, and I think he's... He's not the first. Me- he's not the first member of that front three on the team sheet. So I think I he, think he should be of... though. Yeah, I, I, see, I don't. Be. I don't think so. Really? Who, who yeah. do you play? Holland. Yeah, yeah. Holland, Taylor, Sykes. See, I'd I'd want me. it. I'd want it to be on form based. White, Taylor, and Sykes. But I can oh, appreciate, agreed. Gr- yeah. Appreciate your point is that White is not on form to merit that. For me, Holland, again, creeping slightly into the MK game. His level has been at the same for these past four games. It's little moments of looks amazing, inconsistent decision-making, overthinks it, can glide with the ball, it all comes together. White, like he played against Donny, had everything. He played all different parts of the game, which Holland can't or doesn't necessarily necessarily do, beyond obviously White scoring. So, yeah, for me, I'd, I'd love to see White. If White's on form, we're a seriously scary team. I oh, I agree, yeah. I just really hope that Gavin White hits that 
on a more consistent basis. Even it's, just that performance against Doncaster, like you say, he might not have scored, but his his off the ball movement was was brilliant, and he does offer that. And also, Gavin might offer something down the middle when Taylor's not fit, like he did against um, Rotherham. It's you the know, rattiness, it's, like it, off the ball, though that White has that Holland doesn't think, have. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah. I think I think Holland's just. I think he scored a few goals. Is he on five this season? Is it four, five? Holland's on this year. So you know, I mean. I think in front of goal, I think Holland's got a bit about him. I think obviously there's the, like we say, the, the frustrating thing with Holland is when we all know when he's running at someone and he's so indecisive and he can't make his mind up whether he's going to go left or right, come inside, turn around, go backwards, run forward or whatever the hell he's going to do. And then he just falls over himself and loses the ball. That's frustrating. But I think his link-up play with Seddon's very good. I think I noticed that against MK Dons. He, they, they have quite a good relationship. Um, so... I, when I see Holland's name on a team sheet, it doesn't make me go off oh, for God's sake. No, I don't, I don't think it so, makes anyone go think, like yeah. that. I think I've, I think I've said this before. This this season, Holland he's twenty three, but actually he's played absolutely naff all football in his career, apart from his loan spells with us. So, I think he's played like nineteen games for us this year, twenty games. That's the most he's ever played in a season, first team yeah. level. Um, so he, he's almost learning. He's yeah. almost like a when you get a Tyler Roberts like we did when he was seventeen. He's kind of a de- delayed twenty-three-year-old in a way because he's just not played much first-team football. Um, obviously, White's had the whole loan, did get some game time for Cardiff and played a lot in Northern Ireland. So they're a little bit, although they're only a couple of years apart in age, their actual kind of experience of playing first-team football is vastly different. I yeah. think Hol- I think Holland has improved a hell of a lot this year compared to his initial loan spell where he looked. Very lightweight, yes, exciting at times, but lightweight. I think this year, because he's got confidence, inadvertently he ends up doing this. Am I going to go right or left, or am I going to cut back? What am I going to do? Because he knows what he can do, but he it's, it's learning situations a bit more. Well, that that comes with game time. I, I I agree. I have to say, like moving on to MK, it's worth saying it was lovely being at Donny away on a Tuesday night and being able to celebrate that goal. And we're doing all right for Yorkshire. 2-1 very late wins as well this season so that's another one but it was great to see so many of the um Yorkshire Yellows lot there that was ace um MK Dons though yeah that was um we carried into that game and then Holland obviously came into the team for White which I think was the most kind of the biggest question point um Great traveling support, Connor. You were you were there amongst what two and a half thousand ish or something like that. Yeah, it was two thousand two thousand one hundred or something like that. Wasn't Not it, segregated as well, which I thought no. was nice. No, we were all sat together. We were on the bottom tier as well, which was um, unlike previous years where we've been at the top. Um, yeah, it's a great stadium, Stadium MK. It really is a nice ground. I just think obviously it's too big for for MK, and it looks empty when you look when you're in the away end and you just look out it just looks empty but it's it's still a lovely stadium i mean in terms of the facilities it is top notch um i thought thought there were twelve thousand mk fans there (laughs) well if there were we didn't hear any of them put it that way (laughs) there's no Um, way and also they, they had a drum as well which you could imagine was you know, really, really well received by all the oxford fans as i as i can tell you the uh stick that drum up your was uh was Chanted quite a few times. Yeah. Am, am, am I right in saying we'd never won at that place? Yeah, we hadn't. Um, so yeah, amazing. But first half, like me, me and John, were obviously, were watching it. Um, 
but it looked like finally their total football approach seemed to have an element of effectiveness to it. So like lots of possession, but being pretty strong into like their transition from the back to their front three was dead quick. And it caused us no end of problems. And John, you were definitely saying <laughs> numerous times first half, like we are so out of shape. Like what are they doing to us type stuff, type thing? Yeah, we couldn't, we can get a foot in to even just try and break their momentum up. And like their playing patterns, they were just so established. It was pass and move times 10, so ridiculously fluid. And then they pressed us like absolute animals. So we were just there almost like when we did get the ball, we were like, right, where are we all? How do we build a how do we build a flow of play from that? It was kind of get the ball, look up, try and find one of our players. And we did occasionally get chances, but it was only like we'd have to play the perfect pass through to make that chance on goal. Whereas they were like two or three passes and probably had twenty yards of space. And yeah, it was quite painful to watch. Yeah. yeah. Con- Connor, I'm interested what it was like and it's very different, isn't it, watching the game on iFollow or whatever versus being there. But the th- I was in fickle football fan mode, giving Elliot Moore a particularly hard time because he just seemed, his awareness and positioning and everything else just seemed completely off. And then it wasn't a surprise that their goal kind of came from Elliot Moore kind of getting the wrong side of the player. Um, and then, but even when that goal went in, like Eastwood seemed to have a really good angle came to like the right place but then kind of dived forward towards the ball rather than making himself big peter schmeichel style how how did the you know how would the how was the first half for the for the fans it seemed like it was frustrating yeah frustrating on our side yeah definitely frustrating um i think you're right with watching it on iFollow. i mean obviously i've been watching on iFollow for the past three months since i've been back in belfast and obviously now i'm back um watching some games live it's crazy how different it is especially when you're sat behind the goal, like that we were. Um, I think they bypassed our press so well in the first half. We got nowhere near them. And it became very evident that they had their tails up and they looked like they were taking the game to us. You know, as as rightly so. I mean, they're the home team. They're in pretty good form. You know, it's not like they're just going to roll over backwards for us. Um, I think you're right with their goal, though. It was frustrating. I think. I think. You know, I think a lot of a lot of us were probably more aggrieved with Eastwood. I think because it was just it didn't seem like a goal that that, that should yeah. have gone past him. If you know what I mean, it's just one of those. Um, I'll be honest with you. I think I was I was too focused with my eyes on the ball, if I'm honest, than actually checking about um, the body shape or anything of of Elliot Moore. Um, it wasn't just so, that moment though. Specifically, it was more. Yeah. They were running us, and every, what Elliot Moore kept doing is turning and thing. facing, yeah, backtracking, facing our goal, get to, yeah. like moving his head around to check where their striker was, and then every time their striker seemed to clock that he'd done it, and then would just run the other way, and then Elliot yeah. Moore was still. God, that was just painful. Like, yeah, but he did it, was it like, like slow three motion. Times. Yeah, full, and he's not the quickest, is he? The fullback problem reared its ugly head massively in the first half because Thornley and Elliot Moore were all of a sudden out on the flanks, yeah. like defending. And he was like, hang on. And then there was yeah. the gap behind them wasn't being plugged as someone gamefully ran into it. it, it we just were absolutely shell-shocked. I, I, yeah, they definitely stretched us big time because I remember seeing on a few occasions, seeing the, like I said earlier about the high-risk, high-reward thing about like the um, recovery runs that the fullbacks made. I remember seeing Seddon like literally making like a 
25 yard recovery run from inside from just inside their half like all the way down the other end i think the they they certainly exposed us in the first half quite a few times and i i wouldn't say we were lucky to go in one nil down or 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 that they should have had more or anything like that because i don't think they were particularly effective in front of goal you know they didn't it wasn't like they were pepper and simon eastwood um but it was definitely frustrating half because I don't think we found we didn't find a rhythm we didn't find our our usual foothold in a game like we we tend to do like we did against Donny for example I, I mean I know they're different sides sloppy like, they were they gave the ball away an awful yeah. lot um I think we were we were getting frustrated that every time we won the ball back when it was like inside our own half that we turn around and go backwards and then we just kick it up the pitch and nothing stuck so we just lost possession well, and then on the turnover we just get exposed again but the interesting thing you've got Brannigan Kane. Or who? Sorry, who was it in midfield? Yeah, Brannigan, Kane, and Henry. Henry, yeah. And they, the turnover, those are three, you know, ball playing, creative midfielders. And you can definitely say if they're going for a risky pass every now and then, you can allow them for that because that's how we're gonna, you know, work through teams. But we're actually just it was just unforced error after unforced error in that first half. And like rather than so obviously describe some of those balls just get, getting played from deep over the top, but also. Those guys were just not, they were really losing that battle. Jack, I can't remember those guys, us watching a game in recent weeks where we've kind of said, right, our midfield's getting done here. Apart from maybe, you know, the holding midfield role getting exposed, but not just giving possession away endlessly type thing. Yeah, although I think a lot of it we said about MK's fluidity. I mean, the, as much as I talked about... Um, conceding the same type of goals. I think when when you pause it as their player plays the ball forward, Sam Long's making a challenge just inside their half. And then you look at our remaining four defensive players um, are in a kind of square, so narrow. And to be fair, MK worked the goal really well. The guy who takes the first touch holds it off, lays it in. But yeah. I think I think Connor's touched on it. We're, we're just going to play like that. And MK are probably the side that because of the way they like to play, are going to make the most of the weakness that is our way of playing. Um, yeah, well, I did. I did wonder whether it's their prep. And we, I think, we did acknowledge it when me and John were watching. It, it was like, is this us or is it their effective press that's doing this to us? It's like it was. It's probably a combination of the things, isn't it? Yeah, and I think that's what we're gonna. When, as you say, when we play those three. Um, and this, this comes back to John's point that we, we talk about a lot. The rock bag player sometimes is so much more used in that kind of game because they are happy to sit and be the man that is in between the lines for us rather than us having properly two banks that get that, that get breached. Um, yeah. So, you, I mean, I'll, I'm, I'm in John's camp. We need to bring someone in in January because we know Gorin's done for the season. Um It'd just be nice to have that option sometimes. Yeah. So we come out. I, I to Connor's Connor. You were saying you felt, you know, one nil was probably fair. I, I was saying that I thought we were lucky to be one nil down, even though, like you say, they didn't necessarily work eastward too much through the whole game, but they just worked the ball into so many dangerous areas. Whether it was crosses coming over or just um, looking like they were doubling up on defenders and stuff, that I was just convinced. Another one was coming, but second half. Are, are we so, just before you said? Are we yeah, all yeah. in a collective agreement that it was basically like Matt Matt Taylor's tongue that was offside? 
And I, I that's yeah, that that's was point, that was it? I, I've and, taken a screenshot and put it in the notes. If you go down, like there's there's no yeah, it's I, just it's I not. I can't off. believe yeah. that's offside. Yeah, if, we, if that. If that was in the Premier League and it had gone to VAR, the lines would have been so yeah. close. It would have been one of those ones where you go, well, that could go either way. And it's, I think it's really harsh on sight because it was a fantastic yeah, cross. Yeah. It was yeah, brilliant. Yeah. Good finish as well. Yeah. yeah. Really good finish. I mean, obviously, you'd, you'd imagine Matt Taylor to score anything, to be honest with you, in front of, kind of in and around the penalty area. It bounced just before it hit his foot, though, didn't it? Like, that was yeah. the why it was such a good finish. Yeah. But we all went mental and then quickly realised his flag was up. So it was kind of like you fought. Her that. flag. Cl- classic. Oh, was it her? Was it? No, oh, I didn't even I didn't even know it was a female official, to be honest with you. It was. Um, she got it up really late as well, though. As in, it was Jerome right. was celebrating the goal, flag stays down. Oh, no, it's up now. That type of thing. Oh, so. Yeah, that's, that's what I say. That's why we were all <laughs> jumping on top of each other and then realised that her flag oh. was up. But yeah, but it's what it is, isn't it? I'd still much rather have these decisions than have VAR in League One football. Yeah. I'm saying that without hes- without hesitance. But we, we came out second half and we it was a completely different game. Again, they had a couple of moments where it was a bit scrappy in our box, but again, not really working eastward. And then obviously we get that that set piece. Um, and at first, we kind of we just assumed it was going to be offside again because it just looked bizarre that from a set piece, Matty Taylor could find himself in however much space to get that, that header in. And John, the keeper, seemed to not do particularly well. It wasn't like a power header, was it? But obviously no, found its way in. I mean he, he got worse. Um but it, yeah, I mean for me it was <laughs> it was a weak header and I was surprised to see it go in. I mean it was something around that kind of period before that where we seemed to get a bit ratty. I think Brannigan got like angry about something and it seemed to flick a switch. We'd had the penalty it was, shout it, it was as the well. penalty shout. It was yeah. Fawnley getting dragged down yeah, wasn't and it then before Sykes kind of he was looking for it but didn't get it and then we just kind of yeah we suddenly flicked a switch and um, McGuane came on as well which I think helped but Kane was getting on the ball that was a massive thing it was he was starting to run it and I think I think you made the point that they just seemed to run out of steam after the first half of being just relentless well, we, we said it at half time right if they surely they can't keep up what they did first half going into that second period, which yeah did seem to play out. We forgot to mention as well, like back on the total football, thinking back to the game at the Kassan when we played them, um, their their keeper had some dodgy moments first half. Do you remember the Brannigan interception where he was kind of, he just bared down on goal and it was just him versus the keeper pretty much, you know, to pick his spot. But I think it kind of... Um, bobbled up so he had to kind of hit it on the volley type thing but there was that was a still a characteristic of the game throughout that they were still determined to kind of move the ball out from the back and obviously then uh, it gets towards uh, the end of the game 80th minute or so and um connor connor talk us through that that moment being in the stand oh it's just one of those again wasn't it where oh, just it's so good to be back at football when things like that happen. That's the reason why you just love this game so much. Like when you support your, well, any team, but in our case, our local teams that we've you know, been with ever since we were kids, you know, it's just, oh, it was such elation when Sykesy takes a great first touch. And then I think it's a fantastic finish because 
yes, okay, the goalkeeper's nowhere to be seen in the shot, but there's still a couple of players in front of him, and he he almost yeah he sides foots it into the bottom corner, and it almost trickles over the line, and it's just elation in the away end. And, and you probably was, know what I'm going to say. Why it was so good is because obviously, like two three minutes before, <laughs> he'd he, squared it and not shot. <laughs> It was literally a James Henry 2.0 at Wembley. Um, oh, sorry, that was a bit of a touchy subject, that one. I just shouldn't have brought that up. It's not, that's, already, that's already happened. Yeah, all right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so. it, was a, it was a cracking finish because there's a lot of players who would have tried to lash at that first time. Yeah. And his, t- his touch put it enough in front of him that he was able to get a clean shot away as well. And to be fair, like you say, there were, I think it was, yeah, one defender closing him down and one kind of on the edge of the six yard box and he put it in probably the only place yeah, it could have gone exactly yeah and the scenes there's a video that obviously shared on the tip manor account of the perspective from the mk don's end looking over <laughs> to the oxford fan. i just lied honestly this is your new obsession looking at lo- um, fan blog <laughs> yeah, videos i'm surprised that clipping them we didn't talk about too much about the donny fans video because that was one of the most entertaining things i've ever oh, seen that was 55 minutes of pure joy but that guy <laughs> that guy is interesting to be so, fair the donny fan there's a there's a phrase in german isn't there called schadenfreude which means you take pleasure from someone else's pain and that's literally <laughs> what you do constantly it's, when you watch those videos <laughs> it's not just that though it's a, it's a mixture of it's a mixture of that but it's also the um just the seeing the the limbs on the the other side it's really obviously you never get to see that <laughs> I just and like when you can see bodies literally sprawling like all yeah. over the place, like it's so good. And you see just the people trampling across the things to try and get near the players. And Jack, you ended up doing that at Donny, didn't you? You had a yeah, you had a moment uh, where you lost yourself. Yeah, and uh, my calves regretted it um, <laughs> the next day. Yeah, it's but yeah, just things happen, don't you? When you score a goal, score a late goal that you think is going to win the game, you just have and you can never explain it to someone who doesn't get football like the just you just can't explain what happens but it's not nothing can that those moments where you've either been losing or some it feels like something's against you to then that it makes it even better it's not like get, scoring a second goal to make it two nil is it it's like you've yeah, been exactly, losing yeah. you think you're going to lose you're very upset you're frustrated you've probably been shouting at elliot moore if you're me for a little bit and then it just that everything turns around and everything everything's wonderful again yeah um, i mean I knew I enjoyed it when I was celebrating and I couldn't, I literally couldn't shout Sykes's name because I'd basically lost my voice throughout the game. So I was just going like, Sykesy, like as he put it in the back of the, put it in the back of the net and runs towards us, takes his shirt off, gets booked. He's like, I don't care. Like just, he said he didn't care as well afterwards. I think Nathan Cooper was like, uh, so you're in a bit of trouble. Manager wasn't happy. He went, I don't care. I was like, ah, Good. I mean that that's the best way for getting booked for throwing for taking his shirt off because not only did he just take it off, he took it off and just pinged it about twenty five yards away. Like, it's just <laughs> brilliant, oh, awesome. Um, yeah, what what you know? That's a great way to get a first win at that place. And again, just it did it did start to get me get me thinking. Like this season just does feel. I don't want to get too excited too early. I forget what I predicted at the beginning of the season, but it just feels a little bit different. All these results against these sides that are definitely going to be competitive this season in a sequence like in an unbeaten run sequence as well putting some of those together keeping clean sheets when we probably shouldn't be riding our luck at times but then also winning some of these games that are tight like the the Wednesday one to get the three points there this one the Donny one there's you know we're scoring late goals 
and pushing teams like right to the wire every time. And I'm just, there seems to be that confidence that's just infectious. And I have to say, we haven't even mentioned Brannigan, like second half, John, we were saying it, right? The, the, the man was like an animal. Like you said, something just pissed him off. And then he was just all over the place. He was defending. He was absolutely pummeling into their players, like winning the ball, then driving forward, shouting at his you know teammates. Uh, it's just unbelievable performance from him. I think that, again, it plays to the importance of Kane because I think without Kane, Brannigan feels like he needs to probably drop back and do the play dictating. But now he's like, no, I'm just going to go like a rabid animal all over the pitch and know that Kane will, will, will do the distribution side of things. Um, I think we've got to give big shouts to um, to Seddon as well for the last four or five games. He's he's really sort of stepped up. He just seems to bring a compactness to that side of the defence. Some of his crossing and his corners have been yeah. top class as well. Um, and of course, we have you know maybe we'll come on to it, but like Eastwood saves in this in this game as well. Um, I'm not. I don't. Well, you guys think I. I don't know if it's necessarily a banker. Stevens coming back in, there might be something about when Stevens is fit, saying saying to him psychologically, "You're going to have to get rid of Eastwood." But before you before you get back in the team, it's like a development thing. What do you what do you reckon? What do you reckon, boys? I don't I don't know what to say about that. Well, we haven't lost a league game, have we, since Eastwood's been back? So that's not a bad kind of record thing to have. I mean. The fact we can have this conversation at all is quite a nice thing to be able to do. That you've got two keepers that you know. Yes, you can. You know, I think personally, I think Eastwood is always over criticised because he's made some big rickets in his past. So now those kind of goals that maybe look a bit uh, dodgy from the keeper's point, we probably analyse him more than we would another goalkeeper. But the fact yeah, you can have Jack fair. Stephen, who is an up and coming, you know, is going to have a good career. That's clear to see. And he might not walk straight back into the team is just brilliant for the club, really. I mean, Stevens Stevens' performance at Sheffield Wednesday away is for me why he is the better of the two because he's got that level that he can get to. But it, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't have a problem with whoever comes goes plays the next game if Stevens is fully fit. Which I guess he probably isn't. Um, but for me, I, I'd I'd be tempted to leave Eastwood in and just say to Stevens, "You've got to win your place back, and it's a nice place to be in." Yeah. Connor. I think there's a sorry. I think there's a Tuesday night behind closed doors friendly. So I imagine Stevens will play in that to see how he's kind of recovered and if he's kind of physically ready. Con- Connor, what are you doing if you're KR? I would have said. Well, I did say it a couple of weeks ago. I would say um, Stevens walk strokes back in again. But to be honest with you, I think the more times I have this conversation with either you guys or with like my dad or whatever, I, I do tend to agree with you. I think actually it would be quite a good or interesting thing to see for Stephen's development to literally say, you know, when you place back, you know, if, if Eastwood if Eastwood goes on a few on a, have a couple of howlers or has a, a few, you know, poor games, then perhaps it's a time to reconsider. But also Jack Stevens is coming back from a pretty nasty, you know, injury, I guess, yeah. or illness. No you rush. know, it's it's no rush, exactly. And also these these types of things, as with some of the players who caught COVID, you know, it will take them a while to get back up to speed. And I think with a goalkeeper as well, you, people might not think, oh, it does, you know, being a goalkeeper doesn't put too much pressure on your cardiovascular system or whatever. But that that's that's certainly not the case. I think, you know, reaction times, all those sorts of things, they're all linked in uh, to be literally 
on on top but, of your form. And if he's not there yet, then there's literally no rush. And it's nice to think that we have a goalkeeper like Eastwood who's come in and done the job in the last nine games or so. And again, we're having this conversation by saying that it's okay that if he plays and if he stays in, it's not like we're dying to get Jack Stevens nah. back in the goal. The thing that I'm thinking with it, though, it's not like any other position on the pitch where you can get some minutes and try and prove yourself for half an hour when you're 3-0 up. So that's the that's the difficulty, obviously, with keepers, unless he starts subbing Eastwood off 20 minutes for Jack. I yeah, <laughs> I think also there's probably a, there's something beyond just the performance that he gives in the net as well, as in in terms of distribution, those sorts of things, and also communication. Distribution is the one. Is is honestly the thing. I think to Jack's point, I absolutely nitpick on Eastwood and probably unfairly so, but I do, and I said it to John on Saturday, I really notice Eastwood's distribution. And I think maybe it's just because MK were pressing us with that front three. There wasn't a sure option on so, like a lot of the time, which meant he was just punting it. And often he was like picking out Sykes, who was up against What's-His-Face, their captain, um, always Lewington. forget his name, Lewington. And like Sykes v. Lewington for an aerial like challenge. I was just like, it, that happened like three times in a row. I was like, why do we keep hitting it over there? It's just little things like that. And I think on that note, Stevens is the more modern goalkeeper in that, in that aspect. He He's a bit more of a ball at feet, will happily take the ball back off the centre-backs, whereas Eastwood's a bit, obviously he's that much older, he's a bit more... I'm the goalkeeper. I don't want the ball near Steve me because Rizovich. they, yeah, yeah. If if I don't have the ball, it probably means they're not going to score for a while because it's at the other end, kind of thing. Where Stevens is more happy to take yeah. the passes if needed. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, it's an interesting one. I did think the save at the end of the game. Obviously, it's got to be in that position, but the ball does come out. Maybe it's harsh. Positioning's the thing that gets in the save, but the guy does just hit it at him um, as well. But you know, it's still it, well. It's the it for for me. It was the positioning but it, he used he did the kind of joe hart Spreads peacock the, style yeah, spread legs. um which you know it was a great i mean to be fair that that save yesterday and the stevens save from bannon at sheffield wednesday have kept us with an extra four points on our on our total yeah and, you know it's not often you can pick a a single moment save maybe stevens penalty save against charlton last year but it, it's nice to be able to know that they've come up with big moments when needed Definitely, I think that save yesterday was was brilliant. You know, pre- pressure wise, you know that time in the game, it's really on. And if your goalkeeper can pull those saves off in those crucial moments, then obviously you know that's yeah. that's the difference between going away with three points and going away with one. So for sure, yeah. So we got um, got the three points. We're now sitting pretty unbeaten in nine, fifth in the league. Um, how do you reckon League One is is looking, boys? Like, are we? We'd have absolutely taken this, I imagine, at the start of the year to be going heading towards Christmas and actually be in this position. But I found it interesting correlating it to last season after 21 games where we were on an unbeaten run of eight league games at this point last time. That I think we ended up being unbeaten in 10 before losing. Do you remember when we lost 3-2 to Donny in that weird um, back and forth game where we absolutely played, you know, I think Elliot Lee came in we looked brilliant, but we just we just didn't quite cut it. So we went ten games unbeaten last season. John, I reckon we can probably. Well, do you think we can surpass that? I guess we'll get onto Wigan in a minute, but I think there's, as you've talked about, there's something in this team that. Why would you think anything different at the moment? Uh, I think League One is 
is breaking away. It's it's nine, ten teams at the top looking particularly strong, and then everyone else is sort of up, down, and erratic, and then it, and Ipswich are just doing their thing in the middle. So, um, yeah, it's um, it's you can see a lot of teams are really starting to kind of get in a groove. Um, I think Sheffield Wednesday are one that are now they've got a really good record since we not since we well maybe not since we played them, but certainly they've not lost, and their meltdown has in their fan base has definitely calmed down. Well, if you if you look at the league now, every single team is unbeaten in at least their last five, apart from Plymouth. So first, <laughs> that's weird. I have I've only just noticed that. If you look at first to eighth, so Rotherham down to Pompey, um, it's only Plymouth who are on a downwards kind of spiral, and everyone else is unbeaten in at least in their last five. That's pretty mental. And like you say, that emphasizes the point of that kind of breakaway group, doesn't it? I think and we, we've said this a lot this season as well, and we'll continue to say it. Our next ten fixtures are massive because we, with the rearranged Wigan game, we now our next ten games include two against Wigan, two against Pompey, Chef Wednesday, and Wickham. So six games against teams very much in and around us, and then you've got Wimbledon, Cheltenham, Lincoln, Gillingham, who are the games you'd hope you'd be winning if you're going to be in the mix. But th- those six games against the fellow um, top six, seven, a huge. Um... I'm almost convinced Rotherham are up already as in the top two. And so beyond that, but I do think second place is absolutely up for grabs from any of the, the following pack, in a sense. I think Sunderland will fall away. I have a feeling about Sunderland. They they consistently seem to seem to bottle it in the second half of the season, so I'm not convinced they'll be around. No. Um I think I think Wickham will give it another good stab this year and I'm interested to see what happens to Plymouth, because obviously Plymouth have really started to fall away. Um, especially now they've lost low as well, their manager to Preston. Um but again I, I, I think these like like um Jack said, the next ten there's ten Next ten fixtures are, or particularly those six, they you know they are. I wouldn't say they make or break, but against the teams that are around us, they are very very important. I think particularly the Wigan, the Wigan games, um, which will be yeah. massive, um, that, and Wickham as well. That Pompey on Boxing Day is looking particularly spicy, isn't it? Like they've won four of their last five. Like yeah. They've crept up on us, haven't they? As well, because we've been drawing a few games, so they've. They've won four of the last five, yeah. So they're only three points behind us. I mean, yes, we had the COVID stuff and we did beat MK on Saturday, but the next step up for us would have been to start beating these teams in the top half of the table. And because we had the COVID thing, there was a bit more of a happy days just to take points and stuff. And they're still good points anyway, take that away. But as you say, these next few games are really important. But it just feels like all season we've been saying these next five games against exactly. the teams. <laughs> like this league, this league is absolutely mad. Like when are the crap games? <laughs> yeah, definitely. I think the worrying thing is also is like you look at the teams potentially coming down next year if we don't go up this year. You know, you add Derby into the mix as well, and this league is so difficult to get out of. Um, and the problem is, is we keep having this thing, don't we? Where we go, like, like you said earlier, James. Like, oh, I've got, a diff- I've got a feeling about this year. I've got a feeling about this year. Well, we said that for the last like three years, and it's just like, at what point are we, are we going to finally tip the? But it is, it is different this season, favor? though. It is different. I hope it so, is, mate. I hope so. It the the team we've got. I, I'm honestly convinced that 
the characters there. I, I, I don't think we've had so many, like before Christmas to have this many moments that require such character to be through the squad yeah. and such maturity and not to collapse and for Brannigan to say, we're not losing this game and rallying everyone around him yeah. and people reacting to it and people, you know, the squad depth being there as well where you've got really tidy players that are on the bench. I just think it's... Um, I think January is going to be... We've talked yeah, about it before. I was about to say that. Yeah. So interesting, isn't it? Ta- ta- Taylor gets a hamstring and Kane gets recalled, something happens, whatever. All of a sudden, we're not... We're still... In, we, you know, we should be optimistic. But all of a sudden, the things change. So, as you say, maybe for the next pod, January, January is massive. Yeah, especially when a club like Millwall comes in with £3 million for Brannigan. <laughs> But I don't see I, that happening. But yeah, you know, there's, there's there's always that worry, isn't there, about losing key players and and not being able to replace them or something in January. But I'm interested to see what we do in terms of our business in January to see you know where our recruitment team feel like our team needs needs a boost. You know, as fans, we might have our own opinions on things, but often those opinions are quite different to what the um, well, recruitment team feel. So I, I'm, I'm intrigued to see where that goes. To John's point, I think. As we get into pods around Christmas, we'll, we should probably go into that in a bit more detail. I think a lot of it's going to be based on who we let go as well and how you do the upgrades. But um, anyway, right. So we've got Wigan on Saturday. They are another team that hasn't lost for a while, as we said. So I'm beating in their last six, uh, drawing one all with Ipswich last time out. Um, Jack, how are you feeling about this? Complete unknown, isn't it? I mean, we, we've, we've got to feel confident coming off the back of that result yesterday. I don't think, well, I'm, no, I don't even think, I know we haven't been outclassed by anyone this season. We're always going to be well in a game. Um, but I think Wigan is a another different type of test. I think John mentioned it before the COVID cancelled game that one of his friends or mates or whatever was um, saying that Wigan kind of, a bit of a big team who batter you about and then put the ball in your net kind of thing. So it's probably a different kind of challenge. And obviously Thornley is going to be missing because they'll be suspended. So you, McNally comes in, you assume. Um, and they've got, you know, they've got a few very experienced players in that side. You've got James McLean, who's, you know, done it at the Premier League level. You've got our lovely friend, Max Power in the middle of the park, who seems to be cropping up with a few assists this year. Even with Charlie White being out because of his, part issues. He's got Keane and Lang who scored what, 17 goals between them. So they've got and we, to be fair, we said it's about quite a few teams. They've got good players all over the pitch, but so have we. So there's no reason we should be scared of them. Um, but it's probably, in, again, a different type of challenge to, to MK, to Rotherham, to Sunderland. Yeah, for sure. They're not like running away with games, which is quite good to see. So 3-2 against Fleetwood, drawing with Cambridge to all Beating Plymouth two one, beating Shrewsbury two one. I think they got a really late goal, maybe in that. Unless I'm conflating two Shrewsbury games I've seen recently, so they're not running away with games. Um, it's going to be interesting. But um, what do we what do we think about predictions, boys? John, I think we can win it. I think we can go two one. I think that this is the game for Gavin White because looking their defence, I don't think they're the quickest team in the world. I think this is about getting into them and, and going for them. So, yeah, I think we can... I think they'll score, definitely. So I'll did go you see, 2-1. Did you see the vlog 
that I posted from the MK game where the, uh, the the guy interviewed, the MK fan interviewed an Oxford fan outside before, and he went prediction randomly, and the guy, and scorers, and the guy, this Oxford fan just went, uh, 2-1, uh, Matty Taylor and Mark Sykes, and then just walked off, and I was just like, <laughs> wow, in hindsight, I wonder if he put a bet on. Anyway, Connor, what do you reckon? Uh, very tough fixture. I think the fact that we're at home will hopefully play in our favour. Um, I, th- I I think... Wigan will certainly score. I think they 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 do look very dangerous at the top of the pitch. I think Lang in particular is a is a really great player. Um, oh yeah, I don't know when they last didn't score because the it doesn't tell me because I only picked six games and they scored in all of them. Yeah, so I I think it will be. I would take. I'll say it. I'll take a point, but but I think it'd be great if we if I I think to speak to what we were saying earlier about like the whole thing well with all the covid issues if we took a point it's fantastic but if we are going to do it this year again we need to take points off the teams that are above us because that is how we climb the table at home at home exactly so off in that sense three points on saturday would be a good statement of intent and also would would just go to prove how strong we really are if we can take points off wigan um not once, but potentially twice. So we'll see. We'll see. Um, I, I think I'm going to say 2-1. Having just whistled through their games, I think in the league, they haven't not scored in every game. They've they've not scored in like a cup game here and there, but in the league, Jack's nodding, so it must be correct. They've not they've scored in every league game this season. Oh my God. That's a great... That's a great so we'll, we'll end it on Saturday. 2-0 to nil. us, sorted. <laughs> two nil from I, I'm I'm gonna say nil nil again, but I I'd love like it's what John was saying earlier, and then you just then Connor like if we want to make that statement, I feel like we've made statements already this season with great um you know performances against Rotherham in difficult circumstances. Sheffield Wednesday away was a massive one, but yeah. Wigan Wigan and Rotherham are like that next level up based on how teams seem to approach games and though the some of the players like Jack's just reeled off. Yeah, this is going to be a tough one. But I'm going to still say nil-nil because it worked for me last time when I said that. And I like being right. So what a job. See what happens. Uh, yeah, so Wigan at home on Saturday and then um, the following weekend, Boxing Day. God, Christmas is coming quick. Yeah, Pompey. Pompey away, as we said, and then um, Wimbledon. Who, who have we got like in and around the festive period beyond there? Are we playing games in quick succession? Yeah, well, they're they're all Saturday games, so we've got um, got Portsmouth, um, obviously on. It's on a Sunday, actually. Yeah, and then sorry, yeah, and then New Year's Day we've got Cheltenham at home, and then uh, I can't believe we lost to Cheltenham. Just just reminding me, that's such a sad when you think about this season. Yeah, that was a horrible game. I went to that one, Um, and then we've got Lincoln away. And then Wickham is on the fifteenth of January. That's away as well. So, I think I think we can look as far ahead as that. I think and then and then is Lincoln uh, on the fifteenth or is it? No, no, no. So Wickham's on the fifteenth. Oh right, Link, Lincoln's on the eighth of January. Eighth. Yeah. I'm going to try and go to that. I reckon it'll be seven nil this time. I'm going to try and go to that as well. So hopefully, I'll see you there, James. <laughs> awesome. Um, right. Anyone got anything else to get off their chest? Anything about mince pies or practical? Driving tests or? Can I just say I'm I'm loving KR's 
end of the match celebration oh, where, yes. where yes, yes, lo- that was great yesterday. But he like he clear he waits to like he clears the area in front of the fans and then does this double step into the fist pump. Yeah, and, like, he's done <laughs> it's it. Dunaray did it before in other games, but I've really noticed it. He I did really it at Sheffield Sheff- Sheff- Wednesday, where yeah, he did yeah. it, didn't he? Yeah. Where you you were hoping he was going to do it. I want it. He needs to build in some more like German stuff where there's a whole say, it's... choreographed um, <laughs> it's like manager to fan. Yeah, yeah. Oh no, it was brilliant yesterday when he did it. I think he got a big reaction from us lot. It was it was very good. One thing that is getting on my nerves, though, you know the the latest E I E I E I O chant. Mm. Like it should be Robinson is king, but people are still trying to fit in. Robinson is our king, and it's 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 annoying me. So if you're listening, you have got to go. Robinson is king. To Agreed. not rush it at the end. Okay. The, the extra syllables not needed. If anyone's got this far in the pod, that's 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 how <laughs> it is, and that's what you need to do, and you need to encourage friends and family. We don't do ask for much. Way. Just no. <laughs> do you know what though? I'd still think we're missing some creative player chants that actually ride out amongst the fans. You know the Kemar Roof song. I know that wasn't um unique and every every club has their own variation of that. But still we need more chants. So that's all I want for Christmas. Um, is for someone to come up with some creative chants and let us know. If you let us know, you can uh, record them and then send them in to us and we'll play, <laughs> play it on the podcast. Anyway, right. Uh, we'll see you again probably before Christmas, I reckon. So take it easy, eat mince pies, and then give us your mince pies reviews. And see you later. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.